I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as slashers, kids home alone, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers. Merry Christmas, everybody. And happy holidays if you don't like Christmas, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but this is a Christmas episode, and it's uh, our Christmas 2022 episode, episode 75. It was supposed to be episode 76, but uh, me and Josh got the flu on separate occasions, back to back, not related to each other. So, yeah, we're thorough like that. Well, we were related to each other while having the flu. <laughs> But the flu was separate. Hey, the dad jokes are coming back. I must feel better. I must feel a lot better. But yeah, this is episode 75, Christmas 2022, and we're recording it on December 20th. Last night cram session. Yes, last night cram session. Speaking of which, we are going to try and uh, not try. We are fucking going to record the Aliens episode this week as well and get that out before near. Like that is my goal. It's going to happen. I don't care who's sick and dying. We're going to figure it out. Yeah. And that's, that's not fluff either. Cause like we're like legitimately prepped. We, we, we were, we were planning on recording both of these episodes a couple of days ago. And then like Jesse said, the fucking flu. So, uh, we're, we're going to power on and at least push through this one that we always get sloshed on anyways. So that way we can be fully rested and hung over for the, uh, aliens one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, we both feel and sound like shit and, uh, I'm adding eggnog to the mix. So. Let's do this. <laughs> We're not going to do current news. That was kind of an announcement, updates, what we watched. All that's prepped for the Aliens episodes. Even though it's after that, we'll keep it with that. But this is the Christmas special, so we don't have to do the fluff. Let's just do our thing. And uh, you guys know there's there's lots of horror Christmas movies. They just kind of go hand in hand. They're very enjoyable. We have fun picking these out because we watch so many of them. We've already done a lot of our favorites, so this year was a little different on the choices. Shit, man. I watch mine every year. <laughs> <laughs> My movie's been on the back burner the entire time we've been doing Christmas episodes to the point that I was certain that I had already covered this film. <laughs> I had memories discussing it with Josh. I went through the Christmas episodes, and as far as I can fucking tell, I haven't actually done this movie yet. No, not with me, man. <laughs> <laughs> there was other things I could have done with Josh's. It'll be a little funnier. I'll probably say those when I get there. But uh, I guess I'm just going to dive straight into my film, which is 2016's Better Watch Out. So this film is directed by Chris Peckover. And this and a film called Undocumented is all that he had made. And, and he made Undocumented just before this which actually surprised me. I think it's a really well-directed film. And I was even more surprised when I saw the writers, which is Chris Peckover and Zach Kahn. Zach Kahn got the story by, he was like a mad TV skit writer. And oh. he came up with the, the idea, but it was a lot bleaker. And the twist came much later. And Chris Peckover really wanted to do like a John Hughes type film. <laughs> and have it in there earlier and rewrote it basically. So okay. it's written by the two of them, but the story by goes to Zach. Fascinates me that this is their like first big shits, really. <laughs> it's such a well made movie. And for our cast, we have Olivia DeJong as Ashley, the babysitter. And she was in The Visit, Scare Campaign, Sisterhood of Night, and most recently played Priscilla Presley in the new Elvis movie that's supposed to be the hot shit that I haven't seen. Same. We have. 
Levi Miller as Luke, and I recognized him as Peter Pan from the Pan movie that came out in the early 2000s, and he was in A Wrinkle in Time, which are both Disney movies, I believe, <laughs> which is really odd after seeing him in this. Nah. And he was in a movie called Streamline recently where he's playing like a Olympic swimmer or something. I'm actually surprised he hadn't been in a lot more because he shows a good range in this film. And then we have Luke's buddy Garrett, played by Ed Oxenbold, who was also in The Visit and played Olivia's little brother. And he was in quite a few other movies, but nothing really jumped out to me out of the list besides that. And there's only a couple more people in the in the cast. I figure I might as well cover them all. We have Ashley's uh, current boyfriend, Ricky, played by Alex Mickick, and he was in Catherine Kent's The Nightingale and was in the show Preacher. And the dumber (laughs) (laughs) ex-boyfriend, Jeremy, is played by Dacry Montgomery, who was the Red Ranger Jason in the modern Power Rangers movie, as well as Billy in Stranger Things, and was also in the Elvis movie. So I got to see if the Elvis movie is made by an Australian guy because that rounds out our Australian crew. They're all Australian. Holy shit. Um, odd, odd segue. RIP Green Ranger. Although I don't remember your name. God, I guess we haven't recorded in a while. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't. <laughs> Jason David Frank died a fucking while ago. And no. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. We grew up watching that shit though. He was the, he was the bad, he was the punk rock power ranger. He right? was the reformed cool guy, man. And the only yeah, one yeah, on the yeah. show that could actually whoop everyone's ass. <laughs> and as far as I know, he was still on whatever the current Power Rangers is. I think he was the only person to ever be in all of them. Yeah. It's insane. Anyways, <laughs> we're here to talk about Australians <laughs> playing Americans in a pseudo home invasion film. Okay, my bad. <laughs> but all of those kids, teenagers, young people were all Australian. We have... Luke's mom and dad in the film, who I, I don't think they're all Austra- they're not Australian, but it can't it's, be. <laughs> it's Virginia Madsen and Patrick Warburton. Everybody knows who they are. I'm not even going to go through their credits. Okay, <laughs> they're great. They were thrown in kind of at the end, and they were the last thing filmed and did it in like two days. So this movie was filmed in Australia, based in America. Like I said, the director's from Texas. I don't think he's Australian. I think it was budget ah. was the only reason why. He was really aggravated because the house was built as a set. It wasn't a house, and they used Australian-style doors, which the door handles are way fucking higher. That's why they're fucked up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he said it bothered him at all times while shooting, at all times <laughs> while watching the movie. Dude, it bothers me. The wife and I went on this whole discussion about, is it, is it because he sleepwalks since he was little and they didn't want him to reach the doorknobs? <laughs> no, apparently that's what doorknobs look like in Australia. Damn. They fucking really hate short people. <laughs> you got to keep the huntsman spiders away from the handle. <laughs> <laughs> and he seems like a good dude. I found an AMA did on Reddit. And it was He was still answering stuff like two years after he did it. So that was kind of cool. Oh, wow. But uh, a couple little tidbits. There's not a lot out there about this movie. It seems to be coming like a cult favorite. Like it was on all the top horror Christmas movie list this year to watch. Yeah. Which is the first year I've seen it popping high up. It was always kind of more of an under the radar one, I think. So I think people are really starting to get into it. But yeah, a couple tidbits. Olivia and Ed were siblings in the visit, like I said earlier. And they were closer in age, I believe, there. The movie was originally called Safe Neighborhood, Blech. which is used in the film as a, as a line uh, later. Peckover was inspired by John Hughes to make the film, and he used that kind of as his thought process the whole time because he said most John Hughes films were one plot point change away from being a horror movie anyways. <laughs> Which is not wrong. No. And like I said, Zach Collins wrote a much bleaker script with a later twist and Chris rewrote it to point out everything as it went along to make it more obvious, have the twist sooner. And 
make it like a John Hughes film where the main character can get away with anything. Yeah. Because that's really how all the John Hughes movies go. It's it's a little shit doing something they shouldn't get away with, but we're rooting for them. And they get away with it, but this time we're not supposed to be rooting for them. No, no. This this guy is a predator. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the tagline for this film was, you might be home, but you're not alone. <laughs> I like that one. I love anything with the Home Alone reference. <laughs> All right, let me uh, let me get another swig of this eggnog and, and get this story started. Wow, how ill was I when I wrote these notes? I, I have words that aren't real that I didn't even bother to correct, even though they're clearly getting Google underlined here. Yeah, so At least you didn't have to type ovipositor. Huh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but here we go. We open up to a normal Burbs town and see normal, innocent Christmas things being done in the snow, including finishing up a snowman until it gets smashed by one of the neighborhood kids. That is that is a great opening dialogue. That's like he said John Hughes, but it's like it's like John Hughes and Chris Columbus got together and made the movie they wanted to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really like it because it is your normal G-rated family Christmas movie opening with with the snowman smashing and profanity thrown in there, like right in the middle, and then nope. it just goes back to peaceful awe. And I, I don't know, it kind of sums up the movie in a way, <laughs> like the vibe of it. But we're introduced to our sitter, Ashley, as she's driving and talking to her mom on the phone, with headphones, of course. And we find out that she's supposed to be moving away for college, I believe, and she's supposed to be packing tonight, but is sitting for the learners instead so she could say goodbye to them all. And her mom thinks it's just an excuse to sneak off and see her boyfriend, Ricky, and she appears to be stalked by someone in a black SUV. appears to be Josh is going to get the air quotes a lot here for a little bit we're then introduced to Garrett and Luke in Luke's room as Garrett's playing a video game and Luke's going through his checklist of how he's going to put the moves on Ashley tonight and basically Garrett says that Luke has no chance and that he believes too much shit that he reads on the internet and we find out that they've had an ongoing debate on if the Home Alone paint can would kill you or not. <laughs> Garrett says bullshit, and Luke says it'll kill you. Oh, foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> and a doctor definitively uh, defined that, apparently, but Garrett was not convinced. Luke's mom catches them saying some shit they shouldn't be, and we see that she's very controlling and not putting up with their shit, especially Garrett's. And we see her head down the stairs to give her husband shit on his choice of Christmas decorations. You sure you've never sucked another man's cock? Not even in college? Not some lost weekend, fishing trip, secret special friend? Never? That I can recall. She's quite controlling her husband here, too. So you can see it's the whole household, not just her son. And something that I would have never learned reading this on anything about the movie, but from following posts from Chris Peckover on Reddit, those were Patrick's real Christmas ornaments of like Broadway stage actresses and stuff. He flew them into Sydney and had them packed and showed them to Chris and said, can you use my gay Christmas ornaments to introduce my character? <laughs> like the ones on the tree or the ones he's crying about in the box? The ones that are in the box, he's like, I see that my ornaments were mysteriously not put on the tree this year again. And she's like, are you sure? You know, like she's like starts berating him and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those are his real ornaments. That was his idea to introduce his character that way. That's fucking great. <laughs> but uh, back up in the in Luke's room, we can see that Luke still has what Garrett calls the fetus machine that he needs to sleep at night. And it's one of those little heartbeat things that you put next to a baby in their crib and uh, 
Yeah, it's kind of creepy that he needs that at his age. And they hear the doorbell, and they know that Ashley's arrived. We see Dad letting her in downstairs, and he's sweet-talking her. And we can tell the Pops has a thing for her. Like, he's super hitting on her. And Ashley talks to them about moving and says that there's no way she could leave without saying goodbye to Luke. Hugs. <laughs> Mom and Ashley decide to talk while the guys take out the trash together. And we find out that you can't wear shoes on Mom's new carpet or she'll fucking kill you. And Mom shows Ashley that Luke has been sleepwalking again and that you now have to put a pencil on his doorknob to see if he got out at night. Yeah, that eight-foot-high doorknob. Right, right, right. It doesn't stop him from doing it, but it lets you confirm things. She lets Ashley know that what Luke does not know won't hurt him, and she hides the pencil under the rug. And she then busts Garrett trying to steal some pills out of the medicine cabinet, and he asks for some itch cream and starts scratching the spot on his shoulder. And Mom lets Ashley know how much of a bad influence she thinks Garrett is on Luke. He's the only one that could have saved this kid. I know, I know, I know. If she only knew. <laughs> but mom and dad head out to their Christmas party, and Luke's ready to get shit started. But Ashley says that he should go play video games because she has shit to do, which means she's there to talk to her boyfriend, Ricky, just like her mom thought. And she's trying to make plans for him to come over later while Luke is spying, and he happens to be close enough to save her from this giant huntsman spider that charges at her. <laughs> which I thought was funny that there was huntsman spiders. And then I realized everybody was Australian and I kind of figured it out after a while. Makes the, the later reveal on that make more sense. It's like, that's yeah. what we have here. <laughs> <laughs> but he catches the spider and lets it free outside instead of killing it to show that he was brave to go get it. And he's kind because he didn't kill the animal that didn't do anything wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Luke acts all pouty about it. And, uh, her state on the phone, that is, because she doesn't get off the phone, and he catches her referring to him as kiddo, which he wasn't a fan of. No. We cut to later in the night, and Ashley's doing laundry and looking for Luke, and she notices a picture of mom and dad on a ski trip with Luke there, where he has a full black ski mask on with, like, devil horns on it. And that's more foreshadowing. Definitely. But we cut to her sitting down on the couch watching TV by herself, and she's startled by a cork flying across the room as Luke starts to chug a bottle of champagne that he just opened. He lets her know that Garrett horked the last time they did this because he can't hold his liquor like him. And she's not impressed by him trying to act grown up and gets on to him for the booze and then gets on to him for leaving the back door open, which is mysteriously open now. And she closes it, and we get one of those cool outside shots and the swings going, kind of like in The Visitors, right? Because mm -hmm. this is totally a home invasion movie, right? Yes. <laughs> That's why you picked it. <laughs> exactly. But she starts to pour the booze out in the sink, and Ricky calls her, and she tells him he should not come over tonight and starts drinking herself because she's getting kind of bummed out now. And Luke busts her chugging the champagne, and they agree to not tell if the other one doesn't. And they share the champagne, and she wants to get some food on his stomach, so they talk about ordering the pizza that Dad left money for. And he says to make sure there's no mushrooms on there. Luke does. As this is going on, the phone rings, and there's, like, nobody there on the other line, right? So, must be the stalker that we saw in the black SUV and that left the door open and had the swing going, right? It's prank calling the house now. Totally. Totally. But through all this, she keeps reminding Luke that he doesn't have to try to impress her, right? Because that's obviously what he's trying to do. We see Luke watching a horror movie, which was his plan, right? It was to get her scared because... The endorphins that a woman lets loose when they're scared is the same ones as when they get horny or something. I don't know what the fuck he was reading, but that's what it said. Yeah, no, that's accurate. That is, that is, there's been, is studies. That accurate? Okay, there's been studies on uh, that shit. 
Okay. Okay. I did not uh, do any research on that because I was dying of the flu. <laughs> but it's all going to plan, I guess, because he's got her watching the horror movie and he starts giving her shit for the guys that she's been dating recently, right? And she calls him kiddo again, which you can tell visually pisses him off again. And she agrees that he is mature for his age and that she would date him if they were the same age, right? Which he's getting a little cocky now. He's smiling. Then she remembers that she forgot to order the pizza. And then, ding dong, doorbell, right? Y'all. The pizza guy has arrived, and they're looking at him through the peephole, and it's a weird angle, and you can barely see part of the head, which has a ski mask on. You're totally expecting some slumber party mask or shit. I know that had to have been intentional. Yeah, yeah, had to have Had the AMA not been five years old, I would have brought that up. <laughs> but, uh, Try. no, it's just a normal, yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's just a normal pizza delivery guy, and uh, they didn't order Pizza from Creepy Dude in a Ski Mask. It just appeared. Luke runs off, and she's startled by the Santa statue that we saw somewhere in the house earlier, not turned on, but now it was behind her. Still not turned on, but it was in an odd spot. I don't know how it got there. Yeah. But since she bumped into it, it freaks her out. She stubs it out on the porch, right? She heads back to the living room, and he has the movie back on, and he's lit candles for a candlelit dinner, which he's like, you just keep surprising me, kid, right? And uh, there's mushrooms on the pizza, which she's like, that's odd. If your dad ordered this for us, why did you put mushrooms if you hate them? And he's picking them off, but she's happy. So you can tell that she likes mushrooms. And he did that on purpose, right? <laughs> that's all I could figure. Um, he tries putting his head on her shoulder as they're watching the movie and a hand on her leg, which she immediately relocates. And she ignores the first call from Ricky. So he's starting to think he's getting somewhere, right? Yup. But Ricky calls again, and she briefly talks to him, and then goes back to watching the super scary part of the movie with Luke. And there's someone watching through the window, like on the porch or something, looking in. Yeah, yeah, it's like back behind him because it just showed a shot of them sitting there, and it's in the back window. And I do want to point out somewhere in here, she starts bitching about the movie. She's like, that's so stupid. Why would they go in the attic? <laughs> oh, she did say that, didn't she? Yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that. I mean, it's like Scream. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Sydney's yelling about going up the stairs. That's the first thing she does. Like, that was the joke, right? I'm pretty sure there's a lot of, like, throwbacks in this movie. Absolutely. But, yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's somebody, like, holding their hand over their eyes, looking into the window, blah, blah, blah. But uh, she gets scared, you know, jumps kind of towards him, grabs his hand uh, out of fear. Normal thing that happens when you're watching a horror movie. And he decides that this is the time to go in for a kiss and is denied. Hardcore. They get another crank call, but this time there's a dude there and he's saying that he can see her and she goes to the window and starts flipping the bird and asks how many fingers is she holding up, <laughs> which I once again think was like a scream thing. Yes. What am I doing right now? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I mean this in a good way, not like a unoriginal or something. No, 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 no. Luke starts to point out that he thinks it's her ex-boyfriend, Jeremy, because he's obsessed with her and... She's kind of like ignoring him and turns around just in time to see the Santa statue lit up in the window that shouldn't be there because it was unplugged and she slung it out the front door earlier, right? Yep. She decides she's going to go hose down the prankster only to find that the front door is open. And she asks Luke for her phone and he tosses it into the fish tank by accident. Oh, no. What a terrible coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody's figured out my air quotes voice yet, because it's just me saying things really slow like I'm dumb. I hope these people have seen the fucking movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a spoiler clause at the beginning. Rewind it. And I do want to point out that both of mine and Josh's movies are on Shutter. So, yep. 
If you don't have Shutter, you should have it anyways. They're not sponsoring us. They should at this point. But you should get Shutter and you should watch these movies along with all the other great horror Christmas movies. Anyways, end non paid advertisement. <laughs> anyway, she doesn't have her fucking phone because of the fish <laughs> tank. She tries to get it out and there's a loud knock at the door. They look up the peephole and they can't see anyone. And then it happens again and she tries to look out the side window. And then Luke just opens the door yelling about how he knows Taekwondo, and then he's randomly tackled by a hooded figure that we can quickly see as Garrett. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Ashley gets onto him for snooping around in the backyard, and he says he was never in the backyard. He just got there, and then we hear glass break upstairs. Ashley heads upstairs with a knife and tells them to call 911. Luke doesn't have his cell phone because his parents took it, supposedly, but Garrett has his. They all head up waiting to place the call if they see anything and they find a brick on the ground that was thrown through the hallway window and Garrett's cell randomly does not have a signal, which it normally does. The landline is also not working and they run to Luke's room to use his laptop and the Wi-Fi network is mysteriously missing as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> she tells Garrett to hack some shit. AT&T customers, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Because you get the you get the vibe earlier that Garrett's like the nerd and a little techie and stuff. So she's like, just hack some shit. You yeah. Because there's some Geek Squad jokes earlier and shit. And he's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> she wants to know why they don't have a security system in the house. And Luke says it's because they live in a really safe neighborhood. Oh, Which there it is. was the original title of the film. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Her plan is to run out to her car and then them come out to the car and her drive them away to safety. But unfortunately, there's a knife sticking out of her tire, which fuck it, just drive on the one flat. It's snow. It'll probably help you. Exactly. Just stab out the other one and you're in better shape than you were when you started. I agree with all of this. Somebody from up north is going to email me and tell me I'm a fucking idiot. That's not how it works. But until then, yeah, why not? Don't ever take our advice on how to survive though. But at this point, she seems to think it might be her ex-boyfriend, Jeremy, fucking with them as well. Garrett comes down with the brick and says that there was something written on the back. And it says, if you leave, you die. So, leaving's out of the question. I guess maybe that's why they didn't try to drive on the flat. Fuck it, there was time. They didn't know. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then some floodlights come on out in the yard, pointed at the house, and Garrett freaks out and makes a run for it out the back door, and he's popped by a couple of silenced rounds, it appears, and Ashley tackles Luke to take him down to the ground for cover, and she starts crying as she sees Garrett's feet laying on the ground, lifeless outside in a puddle of blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Ashley comes up with a plan to get help and tells Luke what she needs him to do to get shit done. She asks about his parents' gun and if he knows how to go get it, and he says yes, yeah, so she sends him for it. They sneak around the house and can hear someone upstairs, so they think, and then Luke spots someone looking through the window, which that part kind of confuses me. Yeah. No, it doesn't. He's upstairs. That was the standee looking through the window. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That part always gets me until he puts the standee up later. Yep, yep. Sorry, guys. I jumped ahead, but hopefully you've already seen this movie. Home Alone, motherfucker. <laughs> this is the first time I've literally tried to analyze each thing to see if it actually could happen the way it does. <laughs> like, normally I think about it as an afterthought, and I'm like, it's passable, but now I'm trying to actually do it as we go. But they head upstairs, and they see a masked man walking around with a shotgun, and they sneak into the laundry room and then up into the attic from there pulling the stairs up just in time for the home invader, we'll call him, to uh, check the laundry room and, and, and find it empty. 
Ashley's plans to hide up there until his parents get home and he's worried about what happens if my parents get here and the killer kills them, blah, blah, blah. And Luke says that he wants the gun because he could save them and then he pouts off. But she then randomly gets more of those giant ass fucking Huntsman spiders on her and falls through the attic door where he barely saves her from snapping her neck. And the spiders are supposed to be CGI and she's deathly afraid of spiders like most humans, I think. <laughs> but... <laughs> They were behind on schedule and Chris was going to have to cut the scene and because they didn't have enough time or money for the CGI, but he felt like it was a turning point for the character. And Olivia's like, oh, I think it's important too. If I can do it and save the movie some money, let's just fucking do it for real. And it took five takes. Oh, damn. Did they pay her the difference? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, she had fucking hunts and spiders running around in her fucking face for five takes. So fuck that. But anyways, they head back down because there's huntsman spiders up there. And Luke tells her that he can take care of her. He just needs his dad's gun. And he fucking runs off like a little brat again. Yeah. She starts to panic alone until Luke bursts in with the gun and tells her to come with him. Come with me if you want to live. (laughs) That's what he says, but it would have been great. (laughs) They hide in a room. I think it's his room behind the door. Yeah. With the gun as the killer walks by. And then they go to hide in the closet. And Luke says that he has the gun. He can protect her. And he'll scare the dude away. And she lets him know that that's stupid and not brave. And they then trigger a loud toy. And then we get a little slight jump scare to them. It didn't really work on me with this hanging mask in the closet, right? Yeah. Which alerts the killer to the room. And uh, they watch the closet. And Ashley notices that the killer is wearing Luke's horned ski mask and starts scratching their shoulder like they have a rash on it. And she realizes it's Garrett and burst out on him and goes off on him. Realizes that the kids were pranking her and she's now rightfully pissed. Like, this was your plan? This Not only did you want to fuck your babysitter, but this was your idea of how to pull it off. Like, this is just bad. Right. <laughs> but basically, Luke's plan was to show her that he's not a kid, and she says this shows how much of a child he really is, thinking that he could stage a break-in, and it would get him to second base. She then starts to call him crazy and shit, and berates him even further as she walks off to call his parents. Until he slaps the shit out of her, knocking her down the staircase, and she hits the ground, what appears to be unconscious. Because usually when they kill you that way, they make sure a limb's bent a weird way, and she's laying peacefully. Yeah, and Garrett's all like, this wasn't part of the plan. <laughs> That's what he says, but he's like, holy shit, dude, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> right, and and at this point in the movie, you should get used to Garrett's face looking like that. Yeah, well, until he's on Roxy's, and then he's much more relaxed. Even then, he still pulls the face off a couple times, but yeah, you're right. But we then swap to this very unnatural or surreal situation as Ashley wakes up blurry-eyed and duct-taped to a chair with Garrett riding a scooter through the house around her yelling, wee, and playing Kill Fuck Mary with Luke, who has some crazy-ass responses. And you can see that he's not the innocent kid she thought he was. And we can see him cleaning up cardboard cutouts of people like Standy's outside, which was the dude. He's bringing in the floodlights, which I guess were on a timer, and we can see how most of this shit was rigged. We find out that Luke gave Garrett some oxy to chill him out. He wishes he would have given him a half dose, but it's too late now. (laughs) And we can see that Luke does actually have his phone, and he can track where his parents are. You know, it's basically find my iPhone, but, you know, the fake movie version. 
and he's very protective of his mom's carpet. He does not want to upset her. I, I love in all these moments when he's like, I'm the Billy badass. Want to have a problem with, he always has his finger on the trigger of the 1911 of his dad's, and he's pointing it at his that own That bothered me until I caught something the other day. Oh, uh, well, it, it's, I still don't like it's bad trigger discipline, but we do get a reveal that I guess sums up. But he's like so in control, and then something like that'll happen, and then his voice will crack, and he'll be like, oh, mom's going to kill me. <laughs> it's great. That lets you know that his mother's scarier than he is. <laughs> Put that in a perspective. She birthed this fucker. <laughs> Oh, my God. Anywho, sorry. Poor, poor Patrick Colbert. <laughs> I just wanted to hang my Christmas ornaments. <laughs> I know. Anyways, they go to the kitchen where Ashley's tied up, and they sit around her, and Luke says something's missing, and he goes through her purse, making fun of all the shit in there, until he finds her lipstick and draws lips on the duct tape on her mouth. It's fucking creepy. That's like the moment when you realize just how sadistic he is. Like He's not just a dumb kid, but he's fucking yeah. sadistic. Well, when they're playing Fuck, Mary Kill and his response is like, you're like, wow, that's some, some deep-rooted shit right well, there. Well, he's, so. just, he's just really horny and, and logical. <laughs> A little cray-cray. <laughs> but basically, Luke says it's obvious now how he feels about her, and he doesn't want to have to shoot her, so she better not scream when he takes the gag off, right? And he won't let her talk for a while. He's, he keeps going, up, up, and he won't let her speak when she tries to. And then he just sits there staring at her, smiling like a fucking psycho with this shit-eating grin the whole time. And he's just playing power games. Yep. Speaking of games, he decides at this point they should play Truth or Dare. And Luke is surprised to find out that Ashley is a virgin and then is dared by Garrett to touch her boobs. He does so until he gets a chubby and is made fun of by Garrett, and then Luke threatens to beat Garrett's ass and starts shoving him. Ashley can start to see there's a bit of dissent in the ranks at this point as he gets on to Garrett, and then Ashley asks Luke if he ever told Garrett he murdered his hamster. This starts some shit, and they start fighting again because I guess Luke's like, oh, your hamster got out by accident, and the cat ate it, or some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But Luke murdered Garrett's hamster when he wasn't around. Long story short. Yeah. Garrett wants to be dared now, and he says it better be something cool like I get to make out with her. And then he's told right fucking then that he better not ever touch her. Okay? Crazy and possessive. No, he's, he's straight up fucking crazy. <laughs> they then head off to argue, and Ashley gets a flashlight and tries to signal out one window into the neighbor's window, which is absolutely fucking genius until we find out later that both the neighbors are gone. But... She's busted by them at this point in time. Luke lets her know that now that she's cheated, the game's over, and she now has to drink this bottle of roofied booze he has because he had a bottle of fucking roofies that he got on the playground, he said, or some shit, and a bisine <laughs> bottle, he and he mixed it in a different thing of booze from the champagne. So that way, when his parents come home, she's passed out drunk and has no fucking memory of the night before, and it looks like she just had a fucking rager the night before she moved away, right? Fucking internet, man. I know. I know. I'm going to go block my kid's internet right now. I'm going to be right back. But he tries to make her drink it, and she headbutts it out of his hand, breaking it on the ground, just as the doorbell rings, and they have to gag her and crank up some Christmas tunes. It's Ricky at the door. He says that she texted him to come over like half an hour ago, and he's got some flowers. And Luke's giving him shit and won't let him in. And he tricks him and open the door halfway to give him the flowers. And he busts on in. Yep. And we can see that Ricky's a real fucking winner here and an idiot. <laughs> okay. And he's like, oh, pizza. And he's like eating the pizza. He's like, why is the music so loud? And uh, she's trying to make some noise in the kitchen while Garrett's keeping her calm and flips the chair over and this and that. And 
he hears that, and then Garrett comes out saying he got the rat, and then they make some shit about she's got menstrual cramps, and she's upset <laughs> upstairs, and then Garrett's like, in diarrhea, and Luke's looking mad because he's going off fucking script. And Ricky ignores both the little shits, and he heads upstairs to go check on Ashley, and he's like, don't be embarrassed, blah, blah, blah. And while this is going on, Ashley manages to pick up a shard of glass from where she broke the bottle when she had butted it off the ground because she's left on the ground on her side at this point in the chair, right? Yes. At this point, I'm going to go ahead and say that I am recording at home yet again. So if you hear children, they're here. It's okay. They're his. <laughs> they are mine. Yeah. They're here willingly, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but upstairs, we can see that. Ricky's like for real looking around for her like he's worried and Luke sneaks up behind him with a bat and cold cocks him in the back of the head and then he does scene for scene Alex's cane dance from a clockwork orange ah. pretty spooky um, with the bat until Ricky randomly gets up behind him and Luke's like oh shit and goes for another swing and Ricky catches the bat and yanks it from him which I fucking love we have like the bigger guys like what the fuck kid you know kind of thing and overpowering him right there yes Ricky then tackles Luke to the ground where Luke immediately reaches for the hidden pencil <laughs> under the rug that he clearly knew about somehow and stabs Ricky in the cheek right as Garrett comes running up the stairs with the shotgun telling Ricky to get on his knees. And then Luke sneaks in and gets a second hit on Ricky's head with the bat and then starts acting like a badass, like he just did all this himself, even though he was almost fucked. Yep. Luke comments on how exciting all this is, and Garrett realizes that they're totally fucked at this point. He's realizing his friends fucking lost his marbles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cue the cleaning montage as we see Luke cleaning up all the blood out of the hallway floor, putting the flowers down the uh, garbage disposal to get rid of that evidence. That's fucking and smart. And we can see that Ricky's... Yeah, and we can see that Ricky's now tied up as well. Ashley tries to talk their way out of this to get them out, and Luke won't hear it, right? She's like, we could do this, this, and that, and you'll be in the clear, and we won't say anything, and he knows they'll just call the cops, right? But what we do find out here is that Ricky actually did receive a text on his phone from Ashley saying to come over. Oh. And Garrett looks up like, what the fuck? And he's not cool with any of this because he realized that Luke lured Ricky over, which wasn't part of the plan. So it's all been a setup, and even Garrett's pissed at Luke now. Nobody likes him. Who could? Who could? I don't. <laughs> Luke fishes Ashley's phone out of the fish tank, and it was in a baggie. So he put it in a Ziploc bag before he threw it in the tank. So it was all a setup. He would have been fucked if she would have managed to fish it out in time. He must have texted Ricky right then, put it in the bag, and then threw it when she came around asking for it. Yep. But he tries to make her call her ex, Jeremy, to come over at gunpoint, which she refuses to do. So he calls Jeremy himself to get him to come over and, and help her. And it takes a few tries because Jeremy's also an idiot, but way worse. <laughs> like, Ricky's kind of dumb at the beginning, but he turns like a normal dude pretty quickly thereafter. Jeremy's a fucking moron because he's like, there's no Ashley here, dude. When he says, yeah. hey, I'm calling for Ashley and stuff like that. It's kind of funny. He's just really high. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. During all this, Ashley starts to saw through her duct tape with a piece of glass, and she cuts herself, and she's bleeding down the chair all on the floor, and she's trying to hide the blood from Luke, right? Yep. Ricky catches all this and calls it a distraction by mumbling, and then when they rip the duct tape off, he says he had to go to the bathroom, and he starts pissing, which runs down to the floor. And Luke freaks out and immediately starts to clean the floor up, and then... While Luke's throwing the piss rags away outside, Ashley gets some of her binds off and tries to clean up as much of the blood as she can and then act like she's still bound entirely. Yep. Luke considers 
making the two bang while he watches. And he acts like he stops because he's not a pervert, but he actually quits because he smells the weed getting into his mom's carpet from where Garrett just lit a J in the other room, right? <laughs> and he goes in there and starts going off on him, trying to make him stop or mom will kill him, which might be literal at this point. I'm starting to wonder. And he makes Ricky smoke some of the weed as an excuse for the smell, which starts to come out of his cheek hole. Whoa. That's awesome. Luke says that the house reeks and that he had to get it into a system, which Ashley catches the very peculiar wording of. Uh, like, why does it need to be in his system, right? That's dead guy verbiage. Oh, yeah. He drags Ricky's chair into the living room and has Garrett stand there as he goes upstairs and he gets some rope and a paint can. And uh, Garrett wants to know what he's painting. And he's like, oh, I just need to test some shit Mythbuster style. And... <laughs> Luke and Garrett are so confused until they see a paint can come swinging by and miss his head. Oh, you're in fucking home alone again? <laughs> Garrett has to admit at this point that he thinks it's going to kill him and that he was wrong in all the arguments <laughs> and is threatened by Luke and told to blindfold him. So he starts to blindfold him as Ashley gets free and comes rushing in with the gun that they left on the counter and yells for Luke to put down the paint can, which he does, letting it go, and it swings down and smashes into Ricky's face, killing him. His head had just exploded! I told you, Garrett! I told you! It's actually like a really nice artsy shot, because most of the violence of this film is off camera. Yep. Very little of it is on the camera. It's up to your imagination. I actually prefer that, I think, to direct directly seeing it ever in a movie, especially in this one. But you just see the can swing and, and abruptly stop and, and Ricky's head's on the other side of it. That's it. And then you see like the yellow paint dripping with the red blood in it. It's like ketchup and mustard and stuff, but it looks really fucking cool. Yeah. And it's uh, later on throughout the movie, he's going to stay there and the paint can's always going to just be hanging in front of him. So they never even have to show the gore, but they do get a good shot of Ashley's reaction and like her going from yeah. holy shit to oh my God to nearly throwing up like it. it it was a very tastefully done scene, and it still evokes that that emotion. Right, and most of the kill scenes are done like that in this movie. Unlike Josh's movie, where I felt like I was watching snuff porn sometimes. I think I'm getting old. <laughs> wood chipper. <laughs> well, I got comments about your wood chipper comment later. <laughs> but uh, Ashley finds out at this point that the gun has not been loaded the whole time, which bothered me before that, that Luke would constantly scratch his cheek with the gun and have his finger on the trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, his trigger discipline, shit. I mean, I know he's a kid, but he seems to be like a calculated psychopath. And then it's like, well, the guy was never fucking loaded and he knew it. Yep. Which you should never, ever do that with an actual firearm, no matter what. But at this point, I'm going to assume this psychopathic fucking kid already checked the chamber four times before he started this whole little fucking rape scenario he had going on. <laughs> and he knew that shit was empty. <laughs> yeah, I know I broke out that R word, but this guy's fucking crazy. Yes. Gives me nightmares. Anyways, she tries to make a run for it, makes it out the back door, and then she trips over a line that triggers a paintball gun to go off, and we can see how Garrett got shot earlier. And Garrett comes out to stop her and gets the shit beaten out of my Ashley. I mean, she wholesale whoops this kid's ass, and he loses his glasses, which they regularly show the glasses get knocked off, stomped on, broken. I feel like there's supposed to be a bigger plot point there, but it never comes back around. Yeah, possibly. I rewound it. There's three close-up shots of his glasses getting fucked with separate. I don't know why. He's Velma. <laughs> Jinkies. But uh, <laughs> she hears some carolers uh, out front and makes a run for it, only to get cold-cocked in the back of the head with the fucking brick with the writing on it, which he hit her so hard it snapped in half. 
knocking her out. She's a tough bitch. I know. <laughs> the I stairs, know. the chair fight, the cuts, the brick. Like, at this yeah, point, you got to yeah. be rooting for her. I mean, she's the final girl, right? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I, I hope so. We'll see. We'll see if she makes it. At this point, I'm going to go ahead and call this the third act. It's like a long third act, but I feel like it's a good spot to call it. All righty. It's not long in time, but it's it's a lot happens in this 20-minute window. We can see the carolers are still singing out front of Luke's house, where he's standing on the porch and doing his fingers like a conductor and smiling and dancing with them and handing them all hot cocoa individually that he's prepared for them. And the camera moves up slightly so you can see through the glass window in the door above his head to see that Ricky is four feet behind the door with the paint kind of in front of his head. Yes. Dead, right? Great shot. Um, fucker's really, really crazy, though, is what you're supposed to gather from this. <laughs> Ashley's tied up to a different chair with lit Christmas lights, which is an awesome shot. Regagged. And he goes in there and he's like talking about how like they've really tightened up their number this year. It's <laughs> fucking crazy, man. And he tells her that it's all going to be better now. And he starts to caress her cheek and she starts smiling and appears to like it. So he thinks she's getting like, you know, Stockholm syndrome or something. Right. And he leans in because he's like, you like that, don't you? And she's like, yeah. And he leans in for a kiss and then swiftly gets kicked in the nuts. Yes. <laughs> Falls to the ground choking, and Garrett's laid on the couch, bummed out and pissed that Luke killed someone. And then <laughs> Luke tries to blame Garrett, and he's like, this is all because you smoked the weed in the house. He's like, it's a fucking joint, dude. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody had to die. You told me to relax. Right. And Luke's like, I had to take care of it. I always have to take care of everything, you know? And he starts saying, like, who took care of you when this happened? Who set something up when this happened? Who faked sleepwalking? Yo. To get you out of blah, blah, blah. So we find out that he's been bailing Garrett out his whole life and that the sleepwalking thing was just something he did to make his parents not get mad at Garrett for something for, right? Which is probably something Luke made him do with his manipulative ass at this point. But that's where the sleepwalking comes <laughs> in. He doesn't actually sleepwalk. Man, I've been setting you up to be my patsy for eight fucking years. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, Lord. Friends. But basically, he's just trying to make Garrett feel better, right? Yeah. Luke starts making social posts as Ashley from her phone to start planting seeds that her crazy ex was involved. And then we can see Jeremy, the dumbass, show up in his car, psyching himself up with his like money hat on and stuff and talking. <laughs> He's like, trying to get pumped. And uh, it's really funny. So this was his first American film. He had done a couple Australian things. He was trying to break out in the Australian market. I could not find any record of this, but I wrote notes for this movie a couple of years ago because... I think the first year that we decided we weren't going to do like two or three movies a piece for Christmas. <laughs> That's why I thought I did this because I already wrote my notes. Oh, oh my God. I could have just used those. Damn. Holy shit. <laughs> Anyways, I should have checked my old notes, but I know for a fact I read this in multiple spots. Could not find it this year, but he had already signed the contract to be the Red Ranger in the Power Rangers movie, which is supposed to be his big American break and come out right after this. And they didn't want him doing any kind of stunt work and getting hurt. And there's like a lot of specific shit in his contract for this upcoming scene. And they had to do it very certain ways to make sure that he didn't have to be filmed in a way where he could get hurt. Oh, okay. Because it was a little horror movie he signed a contract for versus being the Power Ranger, which was going to be a multi-billion dollar franchise, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Which is kind of weird, actually. My kids, I tried to get them to watch it because I didn't think it was that bad of a movie, but it terrified my kids. So it was like it was a little too grown up and not grown up enough. Oh, I can see that. 
Elizabeth Banks made it, who made Cocaine Bear that we were talking about earlier. So, <laughs> God, uh, it, that movie is so close to being too stupid to be funny. I, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be amazing. We're going to make sure we go see that one live. Anyways, back to this movie that's too stupid to explain, but awesome at the same time. <laughs> Jeremy finally gets his dumb ass out of the car, and Luke tricks him into sitting in a swing and writing an apology note to Ashley. And every time he's like, oh, you're done. This is it. This is what you want me to take to her. And he keeps trying to get him to add to it. And uh, one thing I want to point out, a lot of people don't notice this. And actually, I made sure I documented it in here, but it was the most commonly asked thing in the AMA. When Jeremy walks into the backyard, he trips over a catapult. Like a little miniature, like science project, ballistic catapult. Oh, yeah. That's how the brick gets thrown through the window. Thank you. <laughs> so Garrett triggered the catapult to go off as he was coming up to the door. I've been wondering because they were all present. I, told you, I wanted to try to make sure I made sure everything could actually happen that happened. Okay. okay. It seems to me that they covered every base. But yeah, the catapult is easily missed because he just walks in and goes, what the fuck is that? As he trips over it and it's a catapult. Like you can tell it's like you would build in science class or something. If you're in fucking clue or whatever, he's probably in because he's a fucking psychopathic genius. <laughs> But anyways, like I said, we, we can see how everything's covered at this point. Well, Luke has him rewrite parts of the note until it sounds like a, a murder-suicide letter, right? And it says, Dear Ashley, I love you, and I'm sorry for everything that I've done. And it took four revisions to get all that. <laughs> he's a fucking moron, like I said. But, it's a, you know, he's obviously apologizing for cheating on her, whatever the fuck. He, oh, no, no, he's the one that was telling everybody he was banging her, and that's why she dumped him, yes. right? Because she's actually a virgin, right? Yes. right. So he's apologizing for that, but if you put that together with all the other events that are about to go down, it sounds like he was apologizing for killing everybody. But wait, wait, he'd have to be dead too. Anyways, um, <laughs> while this is going on, Garrett's supposed to be watching Ashley, who's starting to get on his good side and like talking to him and like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't let him treat you like this. And uh, she's trying to get out of this. She's trying to be a survivor here. We cut back outside, see Jeremy finish up the end of revision 47 of the letter as <laughs> Luke sneaks up behind him and puts a noose around his neck and then starts driving a riding lawnmower to hang him because he wouldn't be strong enough to do it. So I'm glad they thought of that. It really bothered me the amount of noise it would make and as paranoid as he's been this whole time. But he did say earlier, the neighbors are gone, so your flashlight trick didn't work, right? So there's nobody to hear the riding lawnmower. I don't know. This shit might be common to get snow off the driveway for all the fuck I know and not Australia where they're at right now <laughs> with all the fake snow they had to keep dumping to shoot this film. Anyways, he hangs them with the fucking riding lawnmower and then he parks the bitch smiling back in the garage or the little shed. He's happy about it. And we now have a dead, retarded Jeremy hanging from a tree. <laughs> poor, poor kid was abused by this psychopath. You said retarded. <laughs> That's why you shouldn't let the... Uh, Psychopathic super genius kids near the handicapped children. It's just not your fault. <laughs> How um, much of this am I going to have to cut due to the eggnog and the cough syrup? I don't know. I thought that was fucking hilarious. You guys heard it. Josh demanded it. It all stays. <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to get worse as we go, guys. Bear with me. I'm almost done. <laughs> but anyways, as Luke puts up the mower, we can see that Garrett's starting to untie Ashley to let her go. And he's apologizing for everything that they've done. And then he goes and kisses her on the cheek and is immediately blown the fuck away by a shotgun. And it's kind of startling because it comes out of nowhere. It is. And he flies across the room. <laughs> and that's not real. Somebody needs to home alone that shit. 
<laughs> Luke was not at, no, do not test this with your friends at home. No, no, don't ever take any advice from us. Not just survival, any advice. Jesus, Josh. Uh, <laughs> but Luke was obviously not happy that he touched her. He, he placed the ground rules earlier. And he starts to go off like a fucking psychopath, more than normal, on Garrett for making him do this to him. And Garrett starts to scream for help, which he knows is in vain. And then he starts to say that he wants his mommy right as Luke goes in for the kill shot. He seems real shook up about it. He was starting to annoy me anyway. Yeah, that's that shit's brutal. Yeah, yeah. Luke admits that he was never going to let her go. He then talks to her about how he used to hold on to his mom at night to fall asleep and that he needed it to fall asleep. And now that she doesn't do it anymore, he doesn't sleep well. And that's why he needs the fetus machine, basically, right? Yep. She lets him know that she knows why his mom stopped cuddling him to sleep. And he wants to know why, and she just closes her eyes and locks her lips, and she won't say a thing, because he's got to be in control. So he's getting angry and angry. He wants her to talk. He wants her to say it. He wants her to call him crazy, a psychopath, say his mom hates him, blah, blah, blah. And she just keeps ignoring him, and he can't take it anymore, pulls a pocket knife out, and stabs her in the neck in her carotid artery and leaves her for dead. Some Norman Bates shit. We then can see Luke cleaning up anything that's out of place. I mean, anything. I could go through the list, but it would be quite long. And stage the scene with the guns and the knives and crossing the fingerprints over and making it look like everyone else was involved besides him. Then he does this creepy Christmas dance to the Ramones and shit while he's doing it. It's really (laughs) fucked up. And the whole time we can see him tracking his parents on the fucking app and and clearing up some other loose ends, like why the phone and internet didn't work. He had like scotch tape over the jacks where they're plugged in the wall so you couldn't visibly see that they weren't making a connection. It's Australia. They probably had some form of fucking DSL. Who knows? <laughs> but that's why nothing was working, basically. But during this montage, we see him in his PJs, brushing his teeth, and he looks at his phone one last time to see his parents are right around the corner, and then it just, like, freezes, and the music stops, and he realizes that he forgot to do something about Ricky's cheek, and he goes and stages a different pencil and throws it in the... Paint and blood puddle, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. The, like the must- got knocked out of his head when he got hit with the can or something? Yes, the, the ketchup and mustard. <laughs> it definitely makes me think of ketchup and mustard, and I will never combine the two ever again. It's now a sin. <laughs> but he tries to get into his room and stage the pencil on the doorknob outside, which he didn't think this through, and he can't get it to stay as he shuts the door. So he goes out in the hallway, sets the pencil up, goes into the other room, shuts the door, goes out into the window on the balcony, to sneak across the balcony into his room, knocks over all the fucking reindeer. His parents are pulling up. They're still arguing about whatever the fuck, because apparently they hate each other. (laughs) And he's trying to fix the decorations without them noticing, and and just like a snowball falls off, and they look up, and all is well. And he makes it to his bed in time and tries to go to sleep, and it's like, oh, fuck the fetus machine. (laughs) He has to turn that on, and then he lays back down, and it's interesting because the fetus machine's going, but they added an extra heartbeat tone. That wasn't with it earlier, if you pay attention. Oh, okay. It's his heartbeat. Because ah. he's like starting, he's finally starting to sweat it. And one thing I didn't say earlier, there's some camera shots in this movie they did several times with Ashley when she got knocked down and picked back up throughout the movie, where I'm assuming they attached a GoPro or something to the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's laying down with her and it comes up with a really cool cinematography. They do the same thing with him as he lays down right here. Yep. I really like it. It was a nice touch and it made you feel like you were there. It's the Flanagan. <laughs> Yeah, but he's freaking the fuck out at this point. It's the first time we've seen him lose his cool. He hears the door open. He hears his mother's blood curdling scream. 
He hears her scream for his name, and then she comes to his room to his aid to make sure he's okay. Then we see the police and ambulance taking bodies out the front door, and he plays dumb with his mom as he cuddles on her chest, and she rocks him. The police think it was a party turned wrong with a murder-suicide, so his plan seems to be working. Trick the Canadian police in Australia, right? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> All right. Then hear someone outside yell that one of them's still alive. Luke looks out the window to see that Ashley is still alive, and she grabbed the duct tape and stuck it on the wound on her neck to stop the bleeding. And the paramedic says it's the only thing that saved her life. She looks up at the window to see him looking out at her, and she flips him the bird as she's loaded into the ambulance and driven off. Satisfying. Oh, yeah, it's so satisfying. His mom comes up and gives him a hug, and we start to get the credits and are quickly interrupted to see Luke ask his mom to take him to the hospital to check on Ashley because he's worried about her. End movie. I have to say real quick right there, because this was only our second time watching this, it gets to the credits and we're discussing that. We're like, what does this psycho fuck do now? Does it? And she's like, he goes to the (laughs) hospital, obviously. And then it cuts right back on and gives you that last bit of closure. Love it. Right. So many things to say here. A lot of people ask for a sequel to this movie, including on the AMA he did. I don't know. I just, I don't think there's enough for a sequel there necessarily or not in the way people are asking. Like this is one of them where you could just leave it where it is. Right. Like I don't need to see him going to the hospital and her running through the hospital from Michael Myers. Right. Like, no, it's not a no. thing. Just tell yourself it's an American psycho prequel and let it ride. <laughs> yeah. But he was crazy and imagined everything. So, <laughs> but no, you couldn't, you couldn't sequel this. And, and even if it's like everybody believed Luke and she's deemed as crazy and then he goes after her anyways, well, actually, that could be kind of interesting. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to add myself here. Um, I thought it was a good ending of the movie. I like the surprise little ad of the credits there. I don't know why we haven't seen a lot of Chris Beckover movies, especially since like the story idea was was done by someone else. But he made the movie that we saw. He wrote it. And this is one of my favorite horror movies is one of my favorite horror Christmas movies. I think it's really well done. I can't say anything bad about it. Like it's shot well, it's lit well, it's written well. There's no plot holes. I tried to go through every fucking MacGyver home alone booby trap. They all worked. I laughed. I got freaked out during parts of it. It's a good fucking movie. The only complaint I see online is everybody talks how bad of an actor the dude who plays Luke is, which I think is a crock of shit. I thought he's fucking phenomenal. I think people associate, I can't stand that kid. He's annoying. As bad actor. Because I saw people say the same thing about Joffrey in Game of Thrones and shit. If you fucking hate him and wish he was dead, he was a phenomenal actor then. He played the role perfectly, right? <laughs> well, I agree. And you also got to keep in mind that his character is supposed to be fucking 12 going on 13. So don't expect right. him to be fucking well-rounded. <laughs> and he plays three fucking spectrums of a child in this movie, which was intentional. That wasn't a failed acting attempt. No. And uh, they're all different people. And it was Phenomenal. No, that that's all horseshit. I totally agree. It was as well written, well produced, well shot. Um, even covering the bases, like make sure we get the social media posts from her doing the suicide note. If there's a decent forensics team, they're really going to question how dude hung himself with the lawnmower. I'm just saying. But other than that, like it's all passable. No, I got you. I'm assuming the lawnmower wouldn't be part of the equation. It's just going to be assumed that he tied a rope and hung himself is probably the way it was positioned. I think the lawnmower is just so that none of us could say, well, Luke wouldn't be strong enough to pull him up like that. Yeah. yeah. No, right? no, no, no. I think the lawnmower is just so that Luke could do it. I don't think the lawnmower is supposed to, cause the lawnmower got parked and hidden. If the lawnmower was still out, I would have questioned that because I actually thought about that for a second. Then I saw him park it. Um, I, the lawnmower is just so Luke would have the strength to do it. I think it's positioned in a way where it looks like he tied the rope, stood on the swing and jumped off the swing. 
Right. I, I'm, I'm with you, but there there would be there there'd be burn marks on the branch from the lawnmower. Look, it's the only qual. It's the only qualm I have with. He the did movie. it really slow. <laughs> he did it really slow. But, and uh, it was icy and snowy. I don't know how much burn marks you're gonna fucking have you're still, in Canadian Australia. Okay, you're, you're still gonna have friction. But my point being is, the movie was actually everything was tied up with a bow well enough that you really can't come back and say, but but right. but even me and enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's great about it, we saw it, I don't know, it had been out about a year and then hadn't seen it since and then watched it again the other night for the podcast and completely forgot the fucking plot, which was a joy because as shit unfolded, I'm like asking her, asking the wife, I'm like, somebody's going to be like tied to a chair, right? Like a boyfriend comes over. I don't know what the fuck happens. And then it gets to the reveal and I'm like, fuck, I don't remember this movie. Like, this is fun. <laughs> right, right. It's really fun. It is fun and unexpected as Scream was the first time I saw it. I'm just going to say it like it, right? Like you think you're going in for one thing and you get another and it's enjoyable both ways. Yeah. It's just phenomenal made movie for like, like uh, Chris Beckover said, this movie looks way more expensive than it actually was. <laughs> I think he had like a $2 million budget. Oh, wow. It's something like that. It was either 2 million or 4 million and like two thirds of the budget went to build the house. Damn. I don't know, like, this is my adult Home Alone. I watch Home Alone with my kids every year, and then I go watch this the same night after they go to bed. Like, I watch, the, this is Gremlins, this is Die Hard, this goes in the fucking grown-up Christmas movie list. Motherfucker said Die Hard, I really thank like you. it. <laughs> die Hard's a fucking Christmas movie. Yes, it is. I'll die by this. My wife argues with me. But we will watch it for Christmas this year. Speaking of violent Christmas movies, before I pass the torch over to Josh, I hear that Violent Night just came out on streaming. Yes. I wanted to see it in theaters and I hadn't yet. I told my father-in-law would watch it because he hung out with me last Christmas Eve and watched Fat Man while we were drinking booze and we had a great fucking time. That movie's phenomenal also. <laughs> um, have you seen it? No, but I know of it. You have to watch it this year. Promise me you watch Fat okay. Man. Okay. It's phenomenal. And uh, we were going to go see it together, but he's a UPS pilot. So like he's just fucking busy as shit this time of year and he's actually not off until he comes to see us on Christmas. Oh, wow. So we were going to go try to see it, but it's kind of a tight window, but it's a lot easier if we could fucking stream it. Well, I did not write it down, but there's a character in my movie that's actually in Violent Night. Segway. But I guess I should stop rambling on my eggnog high and pass the torch to Josh so he can cover 2012's, yes, 2012, let's be clear, Silent Night. (laughs) (laughs) So in the true eggnog-fueled Christmas spirit, I've got the hiccups, but we're going to power on. So this movie, as bad as it is. Oh, yeah. I was actually, I'm just going to interrupt Josh right now. And I (laughs) I messaged him when I was watching and I said, are you sure you actually meant to cover this movie? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Because it's the first non-ironically bad movie we've ever covered. I think (laughs) is what I said, right? Something along those lines. But if if you watch the band 84 uh, original, that uh, this is a very, 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 very loose remake of. <laughs> yes. Damn it. It uh, it makes it feel a little bit better. But uh, anyways, let, let, let's get into this. And this really is one of the ones we watch every year. Amazed. So this was directed by Stephen C. Miller, and he's done a handful of shit that nobody's ever heard of. Um, it was written by Jason Rothwell, who's done like five movies. Um, one of note recently is Polar on Netflix, but that's about it. Cast, I'm only going to hang on a few people here. Malcolm McDowell is Sheriff Cooper. Of course, Clockwork Orange, Rob Zombie's Halloween. We've talked about this man at length before. Tank Girl. Tank Girl, yes. The fucking water (laughs) jug into the fucking body scene. Love that shit. Um, We've got Jamie King as Aubrey Mm -hmm. Brattamore, who uh, 
ironically was also in my bloody valentine 3d which was a remake which also featured a camera found at a cd hotel crime scene which that's just funny as shit to me um but she was in sin city a bunch of other shit donald fucking logue as santa jim epstein yeah. unfortunate last name there so we'll say santa jim um of course we've <laughs> mentioned him before because of when we covered blade and fucking 120 other movies he's been in and tv shows and he's just like I don't know. He plays the same guy for the most part, but God damn, is it a great guy? I fucking love him every time I see him. Yes, he's the best thing in this movie. And then to round out who I'm going to mention, Ellen fucking Wong as Brenda, who's Knives fucking Chow herself from Scott Pilgrim versus the world. My handwritten notes here say Knives fucking Chow so that I could remember <laughs> to mention that. So that is phenomenal that uh, you wrote it the same way. <laughs> Getting into makeup effects and special effects. In makeup, we had Vincent J. Gustini, uh, who worked on Dogma, Requiem for a Dream, Child's Play 3, a bunch of other noteworthy stuff. And then for actual um, special effects, we had Paul Noel and James Cozier, um, who worked on some things not together. iRobot, some X-Men movies, The Core Godzilla 2014. Unfortunately, they decided for this film to borrow one of their nephew's laptops for all the mm. CGI gore that's in this movie. That's a joke, but the CGI gore in this movie is fucking pathetic and obvious, and there's not a scene where I can say it's passable. It's all bad. <laughs> I only watched this movie once, and I was doing something else and i was gonna <laughs> commend it for not using cgi blood and doing all practical effects and apparently i missed something i thought i'd never watch this movie again but you've now <laughs> given me a reason so to let you know what we're about to dive into the police force of a remote midwestern town search for a killer santa claus who is picking off citizens on christmas eve Wow. Man, it kind of <laughs> sounds like Santa's sleigh, but it is nowhere near as fucking cool. No, no. As, as, <laughs> it, yes, yes, I'll give you that. But as generic as that tagline is, just hold on to generic because that's what you're going to get through this whole fucking movie. <laughs> And before Josh dives in too deep, like I, I was broken hearted to, to pair my movie with this. I've been putting off Better Watch Out for years, like I said, and he wanted to do this movie and he messaged me first. And I was like, okay, that means I have to do the original Silent Night, right? No. Well, I'm a huge slasher fan and I don't like that movie, right? And then I was like, well, I really like Silent Night that came out last year. That was like the British, like in the yeah. world drama phenomenal fucking movie that will be covered on this podcast. I didn't think it needed to go with this piece of shit. Right? No, no, that'd be a little too <laughs> far apart. At least the other one was funny. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great deep movie. So it's really funny. I was like, Oh, I'm so torn because this is the perfect time for us to do two movies named the same fucking thing and it not be like a franchise thing. And yeah, don't always go with your gimmicks guys. It's a, it's a real shitter. <laughs> oh no this is at this point we're buzzed and i'm just gonna have a good fucking time and take jesse along for the ride and y'all as well oh yeah oh yeah i i got a half size bottle of eggnog for what i normally do for a christmas episode because i'm sick and uh, i've now stolen a bottle of my wife's wine so good luck <laughs> cheers oh so our opening credits roll while we see a man shaving trimming his nails and trimming a mask from his box of christmas joy while a bound and gag woman cries in the background he then suits up as Santa and heads to the basement where we see a man bound in Christmas lights. Hey, correlation. And uh, <laughs> you pay attention. He's also in a homemade electric chair. And yeah, Santa yeah. grabs an axe. Sweet. Opening axe murder. I'm okay with this. And uh, the man you know, screams yeah. that he didn't know she was married. 
dude's been naughty and now he has to die. Those are the rules. So we see Santa then flick a switch on a battery charger and electrocutes the shit out of the dude until his eyes explode. Title card. Now, I do want to point out that I said dude's been naughty and now he has to die. Those are the rules. Da, 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 da. In the original, the whole thing about Billy and his psychological break and killing spree is that he's killing people that were naughty because he saw people being naughty, killing and raping his mom and dad. And right. that's the whole premise. That's like the only thing that you can say as to why is this guy doing this? And they try to saw style it at the end and they fail, but we'll get to that. But that's why I'm going to be bringing up people being naughty. So we then see who we're going to learn is Deputy Bradamore being called into work because Deputy Jordan is missing in action. Got a whiff of something he couldn't pass up. Meow. Sheriff Cooper's one-liners don't land in this fucking movie. No, he phoned it in. <laughs> I'm actually embarrassed for him when I watch this movie. Yeah, He has a couple of decent ones, but like... You can tell they gave him all his lines and just took him to different locations and filmed the lines one after another, and he had no context. Yes, that's exactly like, what This isn't it him, like. his acting. This is just him saying what was written on paper. <laughs> Scene, I promise. I, I'm going to, I don't know. I don't normally jump in that early saying something like that, but you, you brought it up there. You're like, this is not his standard acting in no. all this movie. So uh, I'm probably just going to start saying Aubrey because it's faster. But anyways. Yeah. So Aubrey says she can't take it. It's her first Christmas without John. And Sheriff Cooper could give a shit. Says, I don't really <laughs> care. Get your ass to work. And uh, she preps for work as we see that she lives with her parents. And that dad just got a small red present in the mail. So, oh, is this my turn? So fucking ham-fisted. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> so she heads into town where there looks to be about three mall Santas for each resident in this fucking town. <laughs> And uh, uh, yeah. she stops to say hi to Mayor Reevee and uh, his naughty looking daughter, Tiffany. And uh, <laughs> so naughty. Then we cut to this random heart conditioning, having mom with her after school special of a daughter. Doing honey. Those are mommy's heart pills. I need those. You need to take me to the mall. But I thought we'd go to church tonight. Fuck church. I want my new LV today. Why don't you wait until tomorrow and see what Santa brings you? Do I look like I believe in Santa Claus? I don't know about you, but this is the first time in my life I ever watched a film and I rooted for the death of a child. Absolutely. After school special. This is the father of three. Yo, no, this little <laughs> bit, this ungrateful little bitch deserves what's about to happen to her. She made Joffrey look like a saint. <laughs> so just then there's a Santa knocking at the door. And uh, <laughs> after school special goes over there and she's like, great salvation fucking army. <laughs> she opens the door and Santa reaches into his bag, which reminds me of Art the Clown, but we'll get there one day, and pulls out a cattle prod and just electrocutes the shit out of this ungrateful little brat and then pulls out a fire poker and stabs her, but it's out of frame. Yeah. This is a good good time to say, Josh, that maybe next Christmas I'll let you do the first movie and we could be sloshed for mine for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, Aubrey then stops by the church because fuck getting to work. She's just going to make a bunch of stops on the way there for some reason. And well, she's uh, a cop. That is work. She's just <laughs> stopping by all the problem sites. Oh, okay. Okay. Spe Working the people. Speaking of problem sites, she stops at the church <laughs> for an encounter with Reverend Pervert. Oh, my God. He's worse than the Santa Slay guy with like the 
Dig deep in your pockets for Jesus, but make sure they're singles. First <laughs> <laughs> than that guy, because that guy's at least comedically funny. This guy's just mm-mm. no. This guy is touchy feely in all the wrong kind of ways. So she finally gets to the station after this, and we meet Brenda and Deputy Giles, and we also get a quick shot of another small red present sitting on Sheriff Cooper's desk. Then they get a call that a Santa has been making kids cry. What? How? Maybe he got a boner. That would definitely make some kids cry, at least ask questions. <laughs> yes. But it's definitely inappropriate. So uh, so Aubrey goes to question cynical Santa Jim Epstein, which makes his last name God, even that's more really ironic. His name? <laughs> yes. It just clicked. So to be honest, anytime I see Donald Logue in a movie, he's Donald Logue. I have no fucking clue what his character's name is. <laughs> <laughs> I just reference him as so because he's phenomenal. Well, in this, he is he's Santa Jim and he's part of a traveling Christmas show. Best part of the movie. Yes. And what we see is he's just fucking bored and telling kids funny shit like never trust your parents. So uh, Aubrey then gets a call from uh, Brenda at the station about a strange call from an abandoned house. <laughs> Well, I, I think it, wait, makes wait. it smells like death or shit. Yeah, or my notes right? are wrong. It was supposed to be a strange smell. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Giles is busy with a dude reporting his wife is missing. That's that's going on at the station. Connect the dots, everyone. They beat you over the head with everything in this movie, except for the twist. Oh, yeah. Which is dumb. Anyways, so uh, we get an abrupt cut to a dude visiting grandpa in a nursing home. And it seems really out of place. Mm. It makes no fucking sense. Has no bearing on the story and is not ever revisited by any character. The only reason it's here is so mm-hmm. the line Christmas Eve is the scariest night of the year can be said because that's what happens in the original when Billy goes to see Catatonic Grandpa in the old folks home and he fucking snaps out of it and says creepy shit to him. No yeah. point for it to be in the fucking movie. Moving Just on. Just to like tie it in with the original, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything. Grasping at fucking straws. So, um, over at the abandoned house with the uh, strange calling smell or the strange smelling call, uh, Deputy Bradamore finds dead Deputy Jordan. And she calls it in and then she hears a noise upstairs. She goes upstairs and it's a fucking bloodbath with pieces of the missing wife everywhere, if you hadn't connected those dots. And uh, Sheriff's there by this time and they see big ass bloody footprints, boot prints, and uh, point out that the main road is closed, so they're on their own. So let's just shove that right in there that they can't call yep. for help. Why not? Well, to be fair, the mayor did bring it up, or actually his daughter did, when we needlessly stopped by to say hi to him. So I guess they planted a seed there. Anyways. The only thing I remember from his daughter is Santa coming early. Yes. Speaking of Tiffany, <laughs> we cut to her getting blowed out as fuck as she's leaving a softcore porn shoot. With Kmart Danielle Harris. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. You're, you're telling me with, with, with such bangers under her belt as Zombievers, you're going to call her <laughs> fucking Kmart Danielle Harris? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with this. <laughs> I she, felt like it, it tried to make her look like Danielle Harris a little too much. To be fair, she's been topless in a lot of films. I mean, she's been in a lot of films. Um, <laughs> anyways... <laughs> So bring on the hate mail. It's Christmas. <laughs> so Tiffany passed mask Santa on her way out from the porn shoot. Naughty, naughty. And he goes to the door and he greets Goldie with a scythe to the fucking gut. 
Then he takes out Frank the cameraman with a stab to the mm-hmm. fucking junk while Maria, that's your girl on the bed, Kmart Daniel Harris. Um, yes, thank you. Run, <laughs> runs into the bathroom and she ends up escaping out of the window, which is the second story. But luckily, it's garbage day. We're going to come back to that. And mm-hmm. there's a pile of trash for her to land in. And the shot's like all trying to be epic and dramatic. And it's. It's comedic as fuck to me. If they thought yeah. it looked funny, they it's a banger. If they were trying to be serious, fail. Anyways. My thoughts, the one time I saw this movie, in, in all seriousness, I am intoxicated, but in all seriousness, I think they thought they were being 100% serious the entire time with this movie. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the problem. Because if it leaned in on the camp, like Santa Slay leans on the camp hard. Oh, yeah. Right? It, it's got supernatural shit, so it has to. But... It makes it funny, but when you try to be serious, it makes it bad. Agreed. I do want to point out that everyone that gets hit in the nuts bleeds out of the mouth in this movie, and that's not how anatomy works. They're 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 very hard hits. <laughs> it might feel like your nuts are in your stomach, but they're not actually in your stomach to make you cough blood out of your stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is accurate. So uh, she hops out of the pile of trash starts running and uh, Santa now wielding his trusty axe is chasing her mm-hmm. and he catches her and chops off her fucking leg as they get into a uh, Christmas tree stand. Wasn't it like a Sam Raimi cam fucking hatchet throw though? Or is that a different? No, no, no. That's later on. That's later on. That's Tiffany. That's okay, Tiffany. Okay, and okay, the Achilles I, I fucked up the fucked up shit. In this <laughs> <laughs> so we got poor girl here de-legged next to a conveniently placed wood chipper. And uh, <laughs> so mask Santa Picks her up, throws her over her shoulder, takes his free hand, picks up the leg, throws it in the wood chipper so she can yep. hear what's going on, and then stuffs mm. her ass in there foot first. And I'm sorry, I totally buy her acting here. Like, like if I was getting shoved into a wood chipper, I'd probably be panically screaming like that. But it is, there's a lot of good blood and a lot of CGI extra blood, which is a little lame, but it's cool seeing all the guts and stuff fly out of the wood chipper. And, and I appreciate this. Like, the, this is my favorite scene in the movie, like... It goes on in the background as the second movie on Christmas night when we're opening presents. But I have to watch the scene every time. Uh, two things about the scene. This is the scene I was referring to that felt like I was watching a snuff film. I don't know why <laughs> the scene bothered me. Like, I felt like, like, that's the thing. I feel like they took the movie so seriously that it felt like I was watching, like, torture porn and not, like, a cheesy slasher Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, But it's mainly this scene. And uh, this is also about the point in time where I texted Josh and said, is this really the movie you actually chose? Blah, blah, blah. This is the first non-purposely, you know, bad movie we've ever covered. And he sent to me in quotation marks. And I'll I'll post it if you want me to on socials. (laughs) Wood chipper. That's it. His only defense on why he picked such a bad movie was wood chipper. It might have been wood chipper scene. Give me the one word there. But it was either wood chipper or wood chipper scene. And that's that's the rationale for why Josh picked this fucking movie, in case you're wondering. So snuff film to Jesse makes the movie for Josh, okay? Oh, my God. I didn't know you were right at that part when we had that exchange. That's great. I literally had just finished that scene and he sent me wood chipper. And I'm like, all right. Okay. So He's fucking I just, committed. Saw, I just saw the best part of this film, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You get the first Christmas movie next year, I promise. <laughs> so back at the station, Aubrey tells Brenda to Google <laughs> crazy Christmas murders. <laughs> Yeah. As more crazy shit going down, calls roll in. Then Aubrey and Giles go out on one of the calls and they find the same bloody boot prints. And this is at the hotel. 
And they also see the last call on Frank the cameraman's phone was to someone called Mr. Snow, probably oh, the yeah. Coke dealer. That's what I'm saying. Could be the Coke dealer, could it? <laughs> Meanwhile, Sheriff Cooper has gone over to after school specials murder scene. And uh, we see a, a little bit more of how fucked up she got with the uh, fire poker to the face. But we also see more little red presents at both crime scenes. And this is when uh, Aubrey conveniently spots the camera that was left rolling and takes it back to the station. This was the camera at the porn shoot. Just like Bloody Valentine 3D. <laughs> meanwhile, another meanwhile, movie I barely remember. <laughs> It's actually not that bad. And going back and watching the original when we first started this podcast, I think they both stand on their own in all seriousness. I mean, I will say the original is not one of my favorite slashers either. So I like the story. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's one of those that I was like, man, if they would have made it modern times, it would have been better. And then they made it modern times and used, you know, fucking Dean from Supernatural and it wasn't better. <laughs> but goddamn, it was in 3D. So uh, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile. Reverend Pervert pervs on the uh, sexy Santa suited singers and Tiffany is part of this group. But uh, as Tiffany leaves the troop, um, she goes to hang out with her boyfriend, who was the grandpa scene dude. I don't remember his fucking mm -hmm. name. And uh, we cut back to the station and they watch the video from the camera that was still rolling and they spot Tiffany on it. And uh, <laughs> Sheriff Cooper's like rewind it and shit. And you keep seeing, I, I think uh, Kmart Daniel Harris is Maria. Or something like that. Anyways. I'm sorry. I fucked you up. <laughs> he keeps rewinding it to where it's her and boobies. And he goes back and forth a couple of times. And like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, he's like, mm. <laughs> he's like um, I'm making a mental note to uh, call the mayor to about his daughter being there. Anyways. <laughs> Funny. Then Santa pops his head from the side of frame, like the fucking sinister side of frame <laughs> jump scare. Yeah, it's yeah. just like it. And uh, Aubrey radios to Giles and uh, tells him, hey, we're looking for a big Santa. Like this guy's going to be huge based on the size of these right. boot prints. Good thing there's no less than 4.2 million Santas in this town. He is a rather large Santa, though. Um, did Did you mention earlier, and if you did, I'm sorry, that like not only is in a Santa suit with a beard, but he's wearing one of those like clear see-through masks with the fake eyebrows and shit that kind of adds a little something extra. I said mask, but I did not describe it. So, yes, it is one of those creepy purge clear <laughs> fucking masks. Yeah, where it's got like accents on it, but other than that, it's your own face. But then there's a Santa beard that looks like it's been... Eating hobo ass attached to it. <laughs> Go on. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> all right, we're drawing a line at the hobo ass. <laughs> I, I figured I should shut myself the fuck up. We're here to entertain you guys for the holidays. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else intended here. So then we see collection plate robbing Reverend Pervert give a sermon on the true meaning of Christmas to a congregation of Mask Santa and a little old lady. Mask mm -hmm. Santa immediately shanks the shit out of Pervert and gives the money to mm -hmm. the little old lady. That's kind of nice. Yep. We then see Aubrey spot who we're going to learn is Mr. Carson in a Santa suit at the local bar. And she asked the barkeep, like, you know, what's this guy's story? And he's like, oh, he lost his job when the mill closed. And there was, a, there was a throwaway line earlier in the flick where it's like, when did this town go to shit? And it's like, ever since the mill closed. You're like, the most generic shit, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Just like my bloody Valentine. Yes. And uh, <laughs> the, the barkeep also says that uh, he lives at the hotel. So she questions him about his day and whether or not he knows a Mr. Snow. And then he goes on this rant about 
spreading Christmas cheer and uh, anal with his girlfriend. And what? <laughs> did you just like randomly add that, or did I fucking miss no, that? No, did you miss this? Okay, so she's she's Apparently. like she's like, what are your plans for Christmas? And he's like, I'm gonna go around and spread as much joy as possible. Then I'm gonna get my girlfriend so fucking drunk she's not even gonna know oh, if yeah. I fuck her in the ass. So, so that's a rape comment. That's I know anal, anal sex comment. So we're setting this guy up to be a pretty fucked up piece of shit. And uh, Aubrey asked, why is he so pissy about Christmas? And he explains he heard a story about a man who found out his wife was cheating on him. So he threw on a Santa suit and a flamethrower and busted in on a party they were at and torched her. Everyone knows that story. It's an urban legend. It ain't. This is the only other well they pulled from for this movie. This is a reference to an actual event, the 2008 Covina Massacre, where a dude crashed his ex-wife's Christmas party in a Santa suit with a gift-wrapped tank of gas, shot up the place, and then set it on fire. And this was like his nieces and nephews. Like, this is dark fucking shit. Um, But it made it into the movie. Anyways... I actually pulled that up in case you didn't reference it because I was like, this is this is reference worthy. <laughs> so, I applaud you, sir. I don't ever see Josh's notes until we start recording. I'm sure that's intentional. Well, anyone who scours the internet will find that that is the only piece of behind the scenes about this movie that fucking exists. <laughs> so uh, on a whim and being a good little detective, um, Aubrey then calls Mr. Snow from the phone and Carson's phone starts ringing. Mm-hmm. He, of course, bails. She gives chase. They run out into the alley. He gets the drop on her and starts to knife her. But luckily, Sheriff Cooper rolls up and Carson runs off. And uh, Aubrey's real fucking shook up. This is the, sorry, guys. This is when the movie gets serious now that we're past the anal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's rape. <laughs> okay, it's rape. It's not anal. It's rape. <laughs> this is accurate. So, uh, Aubrey's like real shook up. Like dude just got the drop on her. Like she didn't want to go like Dante and fucking clerk. She's not even supposed to be here today and shit. And, uh, (laughs) she calls her dad and she's like, I can't hack it. Like, I just can't do it. And, uh, dad's like, no, you've got this. I was a cop for 40 years. And, uh, so we're learning, oh shit, it's in her blood. And then she tells her dad, well, don't go to the parade tonight. We're after a bad Santa. This isn't the first time a Bradamore had to bring down a bad Santa. Dun, Which is dun, a much better dun. movie than this. <laughs> so we go back to the station and uh, we see Sheriff Cooper is fucking convinced that Carson is the guy, no matter how many S's he puts in his name. And uh, Aubrey said it just doesn't add up. You know, why would the Coke dealer ice his clients? And Cooper mm. tells her to stop putting avocado and hummus on the burger. <laughs> This is that Mm. terrible fucking dialogue scene where he's like, it's simple. First, it's fine. It's just a cheeseburger. A cheeseburger's fine. Then you put avocado on it. (laughs) It's so bad. I somehow blocked this whole fucking scene from a movie, and I I feel like I was better for it. Oh, it's it's terrible. So uh, Aubrey starts putting together her own idea in her head that it's almost like somebody's punishing the naughty. And conveniently, this is when Brenda gives her the uh, crazy Xmas uh, Google search results that she requested earlier in the film. She reads about a Santa murder in Montana the same year Santa Jim was there. Anyways, let's abruptly cut over to Mayor Reavy. And uh, (laughs) he's out having a smoke and like the granddaughter, young daughter, whatever comes out. And she's like, but you promised you quit. And he's like, I'm sorry. So he's being naughty. Just setting that up for you. 
while Tiffany and Santa-suited boy toy check out the guest house. Just about this time is when Sheriff Cooper calls the, the mayor to warn him about the killer, but uh, Reeve's too busy getting strangled with Christmas lights. Oh, yeah. We then go out to the guest house, and uh, Tiffany is about to lighten Santa's sack with, with a good old blowjob, but then she decides to <laughs> slip into some... <laughs> You just went there, didn't you? I did. It's Christmas. You just went all in. Okay. Okay. But uh, she she stops just short of getting that present delivered and slips into something more comfortable. And uh, Mask Santa, of course, pops up and impales Tiffany on some antlers, just like mm. what happened to Linnea Quigley in the original. Thank you, sir. That is the only other good thing about that movie is it was one of Linnea Quigley's many. It's a horror movie. Someone needs to get topless. Call Linnea. Um, <laughs> She's died in the mall, hasn't she? <laughs> she has. Um, but right after. Oh, this was the scene you talked about earlier. I'm rushing through it. So Tiffany tries to run away. And that's when we get the Sam Raimi fucking axe toss yeah. <laughs> going across the room and catching her in the fucking heel. There's also a, a gruesome melon pop scene and that, somewhere in here. Yes, that is what happens immediately after Tiffany is impaled. Boyfriend gets split the fuck in two. I do want to point out, I, I randomly watched the Dead Meat video or whatever about this movie. After, just make sure I didn't miss anything. I'm like, man, is that like a polish Like the kill count or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah like okay. kill count or whatever. And it, <laughs> he goes on and on about this head pop scene for several minutes while saying that he can't show it on the video because he'll get demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that fucking awesome. No, it is. It's great. That's probably the one yeah. great practical shot in the movie, and it's real brief. And he makes he makes a good point of it. It's just, it's just really funny because he like he keeps going on and on. He's like, but I can't fucking show you. <laughs> Santa Jim is of course picked up and taken to to the clink, and he goes on this rant about you know how it's the time of year that people go crazy, but it wasn't him. And he actually has a really long rant here. That's it's one of the Jesse's notorious too long to put in the episode. So go look it Thank up because it's really good. <laughs> um, anyway, it is one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, yes, yeah it's probably yes. the best delivered dialogue in the film. It's because Donald Logue was too good for this movie, and I'm <laughs> saying that for a movie that has Malcolm McDowell in it. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Sheriff Cooper starts closing the case. Like, you know, Aubrey, go find the other girl from the fucking porn shoot and we're done. And, uh, <laughs> is that cause he needs a date for the Christmas ball or, <laughs> Hey, that's why he kept rewinding. He's like, I'm going to memorize that tattoo. She's going to think I'm psychic <laughs> anyways. Um, so back out on the beat, <laughs> she spots Carson and he immediately pulls a gun on her and she immediately blows his brains out. And it's, I don't know. It's kind of dumb. I don't know if he's like, why I have trouble with this. Cause he's the Coke dealer, whatever he was tied up with, right. with a porn shoot. Like, is that really enough to pull a gun on a cop? Like what skeletons are in this asshole's closet? We know he's rapey, but I mean, like, I don't well, know. It doesn't I, I play assume well he him. thinks they got him dead to rights on murder and Coke dealing. Well, but the so sheriff's his way out, but the sheriff's convinced that they got the murderer locked up with Jim. He doesn't know that. This is he true. He thinks that they think he's the murderer. Touche. Yeah. Anyways, so another asshole gone. I hate to give this movie a pass on anything, but I'll give it right there. <laughs> so after she decorates the walls with the, with the insides of his head, she spots a small red present on the counter. And this is when we get, the movie's almost over, guys. Um, somewhere in here, it's third act. Um, <laughs> we get the saw flashes leading us back to all the presents and all the way back to the beginning of the movie where, oh no, daddy got one of those presents. 
who hasn't been naughty the whole movie, right? He hasn't. We haven't seen him be anything. Him, her parents have been like the fucking Norman Rockwell, you know, joyous fucking sweet ass old couple. Not that old, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Deputy Giles gets stabbed in the eye while taking out the trash. Now, I mean, that's just what happens. He goes walking outside and he goes garbage day, which is a throwback to the fucking line in the original. When yeah, Billy yeah. walks up on dude taking out the trash and just goes garbage day and shoots. Yeah. Yeah. What did what the fuck did Giles do that was naughty? I don't know. I caught nothing. He was just a dope. There was nothing bad about the guy. I kept finding like crossovers between and this is after the, the end twist, like. Who got killed for doing something naughty and who got killed for doing something for being involved with his dad dying? Yeah. But I don't think Jaws fits either column. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's like the whole fucking police department must get it. I mean, like, there's some retired yeah. fuckers you should go after. Um, anyways, this movie ain't deep enough to dig, but, you know, it's no. us. <laughs> Not even going to Google it right now. <laughs> so uh, Aubrey rushes home and uh, she also calls an update Sheriff Cooper about these presents. And uh, he's like, Oh, I have one of those. What's this? And he opens it up and it's not it's not like my bloody Valentine. <laughs> There's no bodily organs in there. It's a lump of coal. Just then the power goes out at the police station and Mask Santa pops up, flamethrower in hand, and Cooper is toast. Yep. And, and it really does happen that fast. It also happens in a way that he probably wasn't on set. <laughs> Agreed. Because you can't phone that in. <laughs> oh. So back over at the Bradmore residence, Aubrey finds disemboweled dear old dad in his chair and mom hiding in the closet. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> she rushes to the station. <laughs> I love that Josh isn't like delivering this as this great A fucking movie that I'm misunderstanding. <laughs> like he's, he's delivering it. As I saw it, but it's a guilty pleasure at the household. <laughs> this is yes, it is so formulaic. Its story and everything is like I give it no passes, other than it's got some fun kills and a couple of good lines of dialogue. And <laughs> but it's got look at the cat. Anyways, <laughs> you're making me enjoy it more. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I do blindly go into movies expecting it to either be serious or campy, and I don't like when they don't know where they're going. No. And it makes me, uh, I, I can't get into it as much, and I, I give it less passes. Absolutely. And this definitely crossed that line, but you're making me enjoy it more as we make fun of it, right? <laughs> like in a mystery science theater way, I'm enjoying it now. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 so, it's it's kind of like The Core, only The Core is a better movie, but The Core is a terrible <laughs> fucking movie. But if it's on, I'll watch that shit, because I just got it. I don't even remember that movie. I got to oh, they ask what the ship's made out of, and dude says you probably can't pronounce it, but I just call it unobtainium. And they refer to the <laughs> ship as unobtainium, but okay. <laughs> yes, they refer to the ship like scientifically later on in the movie. It's like, what'll happen if we go outside? Well, once the hole's temperature reaches four thousand degrees, the unobtainium will blah blah blah. I fucking love it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> we've now found Josh's guilty pleasure. Mine's Donald Logue. So continue. <laughs> Jesus. So Aubrey rushes to the station where Mask Santa is trapping Brenda in a closet and the sprinklers kick on because, you know, fire. Then Mask Santa goes and releases Santa Jim from his cell and Santa Jim immediately starts talking shit to him thinking it's a cop. Fuck you. Fuck Christmas. And fuck your plastic face. Oh, my God. Best line of the movie. 
I think I said that earlier when he spoke, but I mean it this time. <laughs> so they throw down, leading to Santa Jim's head being bashed into a puddle via mask Santa's brass knuckles. Yeah, yeah. No more. The Santa only thing I wish would have went different with that scene is I wish the fight would have went a little bit more back and forth, just yes. for fun, just to give us a little something here. Like, is is he going to be the hero and win? But nope, unfortunately. So Aubrey arrives and has an axe battle with Santa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a thing. And uh, he ends up knocking her down on the ground to take her out. Oh, sh- she's right next to the flamethrower. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she grabs it and she fucking flames the shit out of Santa. He's toast. Were these Elon Musk boring products or? No, no, no. Those are those are smaller and much lighter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Aubrey goes and because yeah he's dead by Santa. Um, anyways, so uh, Aubrey then goes and frees Brenda, and they rush outside as the station burns to the ground. I do have to point out here that the sprinkler system is not up to code. Um, no. we then see the burning mask without Santa. Dun dun dun. We then fade to a burn scarred man in a truck looking at a picture of a couple with their young son. We flash back to Carson's urban legend story, and we see that the dad in the picture was the assailant. Papa Bradamore was the cop that killed him, and Mask Santa was the little boy in the truck who watched the whole thing go down. And then Jesse rewound the movie to make sure he fucking understood the end properly right there. Because I was like, what? Because it's that quick, and that's credits, and that's supposed to be the, oh, ah, my, what a fucking great weaving of storytelling, and it's not. It's ham-fisted, it's formulaic, it's cliche as fuck, and I watch it every year. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you and your wife get some enjoyment out of this and watch it every year. Um, I, I do want to point out, I think it's really weird that it is very formulaic. It is very ham-fisted. And then you get to the end up until you see the scarred man in the truck and you're like, the killer doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, like no matter how ham-fisted they did it and no matter how formulaic they went, it, the plot didn't make any sense. And they just throw in a random scene that has nothing to do with the rest of the plot of the movie, which makes it bad by all the definition. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, and that's why I had to rewind. I'm like, there's no way that just fucking happened. Well, it's, it's like you touched on earlier. Like if you just take the whole story, take everything at face value and go camp. It's fine. There's enough right. substance to hold up a funny, goofy slasher movie. And, and yeah. I, I think that's why why I'm okay with watching every year. Like, And I just focus on the kill scenes. Like, I tell myself that that's what it is. And like you said, Mystery Science Theater. It is great to watch and just point out all the BS and have a good watch. Like, get if you haven't right. seen it, just if, if you're into drinking, you know, get shithoused and just look at what a delicious car wreck it is. Um, <laughs> speaking of delicious, um, shot for an estimated budget of five million with a total return on investment of drum roll, please, 130k. That's worldwide. So, that's that's bad. <laughs> I uh, during the break, I looked up Better Watch Out. Okay, three million dollar budget, only made 180k. Damn. To me, that seems like poor marketing or something. I didn't know the movie came out when it came out in theaters. I also think it was limited release in theaters. If if I remember correctly, in the AMA, he even says it only came out in like twenty five theaters or something. No, it's a it, that is a really good movie, and it's it's probably going to follow the same route that Trick or Treat did, where nobody knew about yeah. it, limited release, and then boom, eventually everybody's going to know it, and it's going to be a must watch every year. One thing I want to say about your film, and I touched on it earlier when I said like they didn't know if they wanted to go camp or serious. Honestly, I don't remember how I said it. I may or may not have misspoke. I think they went serious the whole time. They thought they did, but it 
it didn't work. That's the problem with the original Silent Night to me. Yeah. Like, I think the movie took itself super serious, like Halloween the whole time. Yeah. And it couldn't do it. And it needed to go Slumber Party Massacre. Exactly. For example. By the time it gets to the kills in that movie, because it's so fucking late in the movie, you're just following dude on his backstory journey. They fill out a place. It's not a payoff. It's a what what we're in a different movie now. Like, I've never liked the original Silent Night, but I've always given it props for where it was due because it did kind of start like I'm, honestly, Black Christmas started the slasher Christmas. Oh yeah, you know subgenre. But it did it did the evil Santa like it started that thing off. Yep, and uh, it's one of the first ones that tried to go deep and dark on the killer and a backstory and try to walk the line of thriller. You know, with horror and stuff like that. Like I feel like it really tried to do something. It just it didn't pull it off. But that's why it stood the test of time because of the things it tried to do and failed. And you can't remake the movie and make the same mistakes nowadays, right? Yeah. There's no no passes left to give. And I definitely have campy, shitty movies that I know are bad that I watch <laughs> regularly. And I think that's just one of those things like they're personal to you, right? Like somebody else tells you their shitty movie list and you're like, uh, can we still be friends? You know? <laughs> Not literally, but you know. And it's just like, this was a funny one to pick. Uh Sometimes our movies are done together. We we have a waiting list, basically, because the the year we decided to drop the movies down, we were going to do like three or four of them each, I think. Yep. Maybe, maybe two at best. I think my list, I think I've done all of them now, except for Anna and the Apocalypse. I've added to the list, but from season one, I think I've done them all now, other than Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah, this, this was my back burner one. Of course, fucking Jack Frost and Krampus were top of the list for mine, yeah. obviously. Which were the first two you did, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I had to do Gremlins, which I did. Um, oh. We've done the anthology movies. I get hate mail every year that I didn't do Anna and the Apocalypse, and I... Wholeheartedly expect it this year. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bring it. If I get enough hate mail that I didn't do Anna and the Apocalypse this year, you guys get horror musicals part two before Christmas. I'm saying it right now. Oh, dear God. And I'm saying that as a Jesse who's already planned out the entire season for next year, give or take two episodes. And don't worry, we will still be late. We will still be late. But since there's a plan, that means there's more of them. Yay. I feel like we packed it in here at the end of the year. It's not like the first season where there was 147 episodes. <laughs> there wasn't, but we were laying on thick. Eight movies an episode with three minutes of coverage each. But the same coverage you guys have learned to love with two movies an episode, sometimes three if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, we got it planned for next year. We don't have it planned in order. We're going <laughs> to do that later. But we at least have picked out the movies, the subgenres, the categories, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're actually uh, produced. Yeah, yeah, this would good. This would fall on the producing side. We're actually planning this shit as a production. He's, yeah, he's getting a little ahead of ourselves. We've <laughs> slightly got an idea what the fuck we're doing right now. But yeah, if you send me enough hate mail for not doing Anna and the Apocalypse, you'll get horror musical part two this year. Well, wait, how, how, how the how the how the what? Do I have to do a Christmas musical horror? That's that's no 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 any musical horror. Oh fuck yeah! All right, guys, you heard it, Poultry Geist. Next fucking season, send that hate mail. <laughs> Had no clue that was a musical because I'd never watched that one, but I assumed he was going to say Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh, no, no. We will do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that, will, that will go in a different, different category. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, we really like doing the Christmas horror episodes. Like I said in the beginning, they're just fun. Sometimes they're goofy. Sometimes they're stupid. They step into 
other areas of film and horror and and whatnot and it the only thing that ties it apart is it happens to be on Christmas, right? Like, so that yeah. makes it kind of fun. And you get to do a bit of something extra, and uh, we get to drink a lot of eggnog and our wives' wine while doing so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have a good time with it. And uh, normally, this is the last episode we record of the year. Normally? Not this year, because <laughs> we're squeezing in aliens, and you guys will get it before the first, even if there's only seconds left. <laughs> But that's it for our Christmas 2022 episode. So you guys are going to have to tune in for the next episode where we actually cover the Alien franchise. Woo! As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online. And please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbspodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at sbspodcast. See you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening. Why did you make me do it? Why did you make me do it?